Welcome to Trauma Queen, where we normalize talking about some pretty hard shit. I'm Jaminika Eborn, your certified trauma queen. I've been working with survivors of assault for over a decade. This season, we'll be talking about gaslighting with individuals from different backgrounds, identities, and life experiences. We'll talk about how the experience of psychological and emotional abuse can look different for every relationship. And like always, the focus will be on our journey to healing and finding support. In each episode, I'll give three new resources directly related to the topics we cover. For years, I've seen survivors portrayed without their voices being really heard. This changes now. Let's heal together. Hey y'all, I just want to give you a little heads up. We may be talking about some really hard things, so I want you to take heed and take care of yourself if that means stepping away from an episode, if that means taking notes and looking back at things later, please do whatever you need to do for yourself. I want to shout out our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a platform that connects you with a personal online therapist or counselor. They have hundreds, hundreds of licensed counselors and you can connect with one within 24 hours. Cognitive therapies have been proven to be the leading, most effective treatment for PTSD, anxiety, and childhood trauma. I always recommend first seeking an in-person therapist, especially for crisis situations. But online therapy is also a very affordable and fabulous option. With BetterHelp, you can filter to find exactly what kind of therapist you'd like. And if it doesn't feel right, you can dump them and get a new therapist within 24 hours. You can video chat, talk on the phone, do in-app messaging, and it's available for desktop or mobile. Go to betterhelp.com queen, and that's betterhelp.com q-u-e-e-n to find your personal counselor for as low as $35 a week. Welcome to season two of Trauma Queen, and today we're going to talk about why we decided on this topic. And I have one of my favorite humans across from me. Can you tell us your name and your pronouns? Hi, I'm Dan and my pronouns are him or her. Oh, beautiful. I love options. <laughs> so let's talk about why we decided to do the season. Then we'll get into some other juicy yeah, stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. love it. Because we were originally going to do a season about consent. Correct. And then we decided to change it. Correct. Why? <laughs> I'll tell you why. I got that. Tag me in. Tag me in. I'm in. Jam so, one. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, I think because... You brought it up to me and I was like, huh, I'm in. I'm also normally in when Dan says things, but also I know (laughs) you're welcome. Also, like there has been a lot of conversation about consent, but I feel like there hasn't been a lot of conversation about gaslighting. Yes, which I I think is wild. Well, I also got really into uh, Leah Remini's Scientology in the aftermath and Wow. And I, w- well, first of all, I came to you and I was like, let's do gaslighting so we can talk to Leah Remini. And you were like, wow. You, you were like, I love this idea. Let's give it a minute. I don't need <laughs> all of Scientology after me. And I was like, good I point. Mean, I just need a little, I need to be a little more out here before they try to take me out. <laughs> exactly. So, um, 
But while watching that whole series, I was like, oh yeah, okay, this is just what it's like to grow up with abusive parents or what it's like to be stuck in a relation, a business relationship with someone who is emotionally abusive. Like all of the tactics that were used on this like large scale for this large group of people, I was like, okay, I've seen that in multiple religions, in households, in society at large. I was like, this is everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for, for this research purpose of this, I actually watched the film Gaslight, which I'm surprised I haven't seen before, but I have watched it one and a half times now. And I am one and a half times still pissed off because I don't know if you've all seen it. So the term gaslighting comes from the film, which originated as a 1938 play written by Patrick Hamilton. And then it was adapted into a film in 1944. So that is what I watched. If you're able to watch it and you can stand watching I mean, basically just abuse, right? So if you can stand watching that, I like to watch really intense things and people cringe at me. It's life. Um, but it's it's essentially a film where he is trying to drive her crazy. Yeah. So that he can commit her and steal her jewels. And it's like, right. It's like the light comes on at night and he takes a bunch of jewels. And then the next morning she's like, uh, did you see the light come on and somebody steal jewels? And he was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I didn't see anything. And, and I think it's really important to note that gaslighting is a very gradual thing um, in a relationship. And. And it may seem like harmless at first, like in the beginning, he's just like, oh, you know, sometimes you forget things. And she was like, I do. He was like, yeah, you know, you forget things. She was like, oh, I must have forgotten that I forget things. Like, no, you did not. (laughs) You did not because you don't forget things because he's crazy. He's an asshole and doing all these things. Yeah, I said it. So he's playing you. uh, But so I wanted to note over time, these abusive patterns continue and a victim can become confused as seen in the film, anxious as seen in the film isolated as seen in the film and depressed as seen in the film as seen in my life <laughs> like yeah. yeah 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 and you can lose like a big sense of what is real around mm-hmm. you and then you start relying on this abusive person because they have made it that way right so i mean maybe maybe you're listening and you're like oh shit and that is why we are having this conversation so we can have these oh shit moments so we can reclaim who the fuck we are from these shitty people and shitty relationships that are trying to take us from who we are exactly i and i think in the first season i mentioned that the way that i recognized i was being abused with my mom business partner relationships with like anyone who was emotionally doing shit like that to me Mm -hmm. was from reading an article in teen vogue called how i survived gaslighting Mm -hmm. and like the person who was manipulating me was like you need to read this it's about your mom and i was like sitting in the back of their car reading every line being like oh my god oh my god oh my god this is like shit that you say to me every day it was terrifying so, I mean, since you've already started this conversation, this episode, I know the first season, the first episode was just us talking about like the show, but this is also kind of like a bonus gift. You're all welcome because manager Dan was willing to share their, st- you can't say they're very excited right now, <laughs> sharing their story. And so um, in each episode, you will hear me ask the same first question. What is gaslighting to you? Oh boy. Um, I mean, it's a lot of different things. To me, it's very confusing and both the term because I feel like it's so broad and also the experience of it. Mm -hmm. Like 
I, when I think of gaslighting, I can immediately think of like three different people in three totally different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have like the experience of my mom who was bipolar and alcoholic and I think had her own version of PTSD that wasn't diagnosed. And like, as she became sicker, she became more distance from reality. And also she was very pathological. So like I, there were times where I was like being lied to that I didn't even know it. And then there were other types of gaslighting where it was like, my mom would say, this is the right thing to do. Be nice to everybody. Don't say mean stuff about people. And I'd be like, okay. And then we'd like walk two steps and she would like make fun of the way someone looked. And I would be like, you just said (laughs) what? Going backwards. So it's like tiny stuff like that. And then it's like me confronting my mom, my family and I tried to have an intervention with her at one point, which I would like literally never recommend to anyone. Um, Why? Uh, it was just, I don't think it's right to come to someone when they're in, like with an addict in particular, like when they're in that place, my mom was very, very drunk. And then like seven of us ganged up on her Mm -hmm. to be like, you have to stop. You need to be better. And also I come from the point of view where my mom, my family made me kind of talk to my mom the most. And I was like 20 years old. So that was also really difficult, but it's just like somebody's going to be, if you have seven people telling someone what to do, they're going to be defensive. And when they're, I would be. Yeah. And when they're not in their right state of mind already, mm-hmm. like, of course they're going to be defensive. But in that moment being like, I was left alone as a kid from age like two until like 12 or 13. And my mom was like, no, you weren't. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yes, I was. And she was like, I never left you alone once. And I was like, what? And then luckily my aunts were there to be like, yes, you did. Like, what are you talking about? But still even having them there as backup, I was like, am I wrong? And stuff like that would happen all the time. So I have so many childhood memories that I'm like, what? Because my mom told me they weren't really my memories, but they were. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I have, what is gaslighting? It's a trillion, bazillion, bagillion (laughs) different things. I mean, it really is though. Like there, there is no just like one way that it can look in every relationship. So I want to ask you, like, why do you think your story needs to be heard? Um, I, well, I just have so many different stories and I'm like, maybe you should ask me at the end of the episode when we figure out what the fuck we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm because like my experience with my mom, I think is really important because I wrote a piece about grieving my abusive mother a right. couple of years ago and people just don't talk about that. And it was also really complicated before I even got to that stage when my mom was still alive and she was being, you know, the older I got, it was almost like the more um, verbally abusive she got. It was like tricky and confusing when I was a kid. And then as I got older, it was just like lashing out, saying terrible things to me, doing awful things, like sending me stuff, making me feel guilty. It was like big, big, big. And it was really, it was really bad for my physical health and my mental health. And um, when I was looking up, like... Uh, when it's time to leave a, a partner who is like emotionally abusive, it was like immediately. And I looked up specifically like alcoholic and bipolar. And I was like, what are the right moves? What am I doing? I wanted to make sure that I was like still being a good person mm-hmm. and still like, can't, like m- making sure, I don't know. It was like a confusing, like, do I support someone or like how? And they were like, yeah. the best thing you can do for this person is let them lose you. Like th- yeah. to be there and to every single time that they you know, react huge or like 
get really drunk or have like a spell or whatever, every single time that's when you come back, that is teaching them much like a puppy. Yeah. Like a puppy. It's like, if you only react when they're doing really bad stuff, that's, they're like, oh, that's how I get your attention. That's how I get your love. Right. So everything was like, if you are, if you have experienced this for like six months straight, you need to walk away. Because they don't deserve you. Exactly. They, they deserve like the chance to see that they need to work on themselves. You know, everybody has to work on themselves. We're born into a traumatic world, right? Right. But then I would look up when it's time to leave an abusive parent and it would be like, well, you don't, they're your parent. And I was like, just false. That is that fucking is, false. You can say, thank you for this life you've provided. <laughs> yeah. And um, you are no longer in it. But it was really trippy. It was yeah. really trippy. And I'm really lucky that I was in therapy. I'm so lucky because my therapist would be like, mm, fuck that. Like, <laughs> you know, she didn't literally say fuck that, but I know that's what she meant. I believe um, it. I believe it. In her heart. In she her wanted, heart. She was yelling it. Exactly. From her soul. Yes. Yeah, so she'll be like, maybe this is because I'm feeling protective of you. And mm-hmm. I'm like, so you mean fuck those people. Um, but I was really lucky. And also I was like, because what was happening with my mom was directly reflected in a business partnership that I had. Do I was, tell. Yeah. Do tell your business to me. Yeah, my and business. Just, it's just me and you. It's just me and you. It's no one's us. Well, I was just in a situation with, I was being really manipulated in similar ways. And it was my therapist that was like, oh, it seems like they have the same uh, kind of version of competitiveness with you that your mother does. And I was like, my mom has competitiveness. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Like how? And my therapist is the one who would be like, well, you just said like, you know, you were on stage and you told this story and then you came back home and you checked Instagram and that person told your story as if it was theirs. And I was like, yeah, that did piss me off. And she was like, and that's not, I mean, the and the argument was kind of like, well, we work together, we share this stuff, and my yeah, therapist was like, no, no, we don't. Like share your the same story. your stories, your jokes, your words are yours, and I was like, right. And then there were also like when I was younger and I would write something and I have like, I have a learning disability, which I understand now, but at the time I didn't. And also it's like, uh, the way school is set up, pretty much everyone has a learning disability because no one can fucking learn that way. <laughs> like, and they push white supremacy at people. I'm just going to exactly. That and that's not helpful to anybody. So I, I would like write stuff. It would take me a long time to write things, but I would write stuff and my mom would be like, are you sure you don't want me to write, rewrite this for you? And she would like make a bunch of notes on my paper. And she was always like, uh, what are you saying? Like that kind of thing. And then I was in a business partnership where I was writing with someone and they would always be like, um, maybe I should change the way this is phrased just because it doesn't really make sense. Or maybe you can explain it to me again. And I would be like, uh, what? So it sounds like it, they Everyone was like trying to make you feel like you weren't as amazing and intelligent as you really are. Exactly. And intelligence is so varied. It's like, it really isn't books and writing stuff, you know? So it was, even if it was focused on books and writing stuff, like even if I didn't have the ability to write anything that has nothing to do with how much I know and how like smart and brilliant I am. Exactly. It's one skill. So I was just being really held down it was like well you're the word like stupid and the word dumb are two things that I take very personally because that was a way that my mom treated me and made me feel that was the way my business partner treated me and made me feel that was a way like I've had more than one friendship where I like say something and someone's like oh boy and I'm like um okay (laughs) like sorry I spoke out loud and it's really just kind of a a control thing yeah 
So those people really like they aren't here for you. And exactly. it, it takes like a long time because we want to have the relationships with, with these exactly. individuals. Yeah. And you're like, I'm supposed to like want to be attached to my mom. I'm supposed to want to work with a business partner because, you know, we've all had tricky business partners. In the world. Um, Tell me about it. I don't, <laughs> I'm not here. I'm asleep. Um, <laughs> but it's it's scary to know that sometimes the people that we love the most mm-hmm. are the ones that are actually out to hurt us the most. Do you think your mom knew what she was doing? Um, I think that there were times in which my mom manipulated a situation on purpose. Uh, but I don't think that she was like, had like cognitive awareness of what was going on. I think most people who, um, become abusers, it's because they were abused and they are just reliving that cycle instead of turning it inward and making sure that they're like, not doing that anymore like Mm -hmm. once you get to a point i feel like you can go one of two ways you get to a point where you're like oh fuck i'm like i'm being fucked with like i've been abused and you either decide like fuck those people and fuck anyone else who comes over here and you're like i'm gonna live my life and i'm just a victim everybody is fucked with me and fuck anybody else who like comes this way or you're like fuck that experience like I'm not gonna experience that anymore I'm not letting anyone around me experience that anymore like my relationships are not gonna be like that so I feel like my mom slowly realized like oh I've been abused and was like fuck these people Mm -hmm. and also like you have to think about societal abuse too like growing up a woman a po- like we were poor we were like bro we were sleeping on couches staying with friends my mom and I shared a room for a really long time like we were broke and she was a woman in the south and she was obsessed with finding a husband because that's what society tells you you're supposed to do to make it in know, the world honey it was the 80s and the 90s and that's if you want to be a woman with money that's what you got to do you got to get you a can't husband. get your own or anything exactly uh, exactly 2018 shitty year but thank you mm-hmm. yeah seriously Did you, I know you keep bringing up like your therapist, were you ever able to get like any type of like support besides like from your aunts being like, Hey, actually this shit did happen. But like, did you ever get any like therapy during this or was it only after? No, it was way, way after I, when I was younger, I mean, my family would just disappear for chunks at a time. Cause my mom would do something really awful to one of my aunts and she would be like, I'm not fucking speaking to her anymore. And so like for a couple of years, I would only see them at Christmas. Mm, sounds like isolation. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of that. My mom also, uh, kept like my bio dad from me we had to go to court when I was like six because he was like you won't let me see my daughter and she was like you won't pay child support and he was like I'm in the military it literally comes out of my check and sends to your house it has nothing to do with me yeah (laughs) and then I had to go live with them for a year and then I came back and that was like bizarre to be seven and living on a military base in Germany with like people that to be honest I don't know right (laughs) and so there was that my mom was also a runner we lived in probably 11 different places before I was nine years old. Um, The first time I had a best friend, I was like nine. And I was, it it was also, um, it was in South Carolina, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. I was nine years old. My first best friend, she was black. And I noticed pretty quickly that if you wanted to be popular, you were you uh were racist is basically oh, beautiful yeah, yeah it's like a gorgeous thing to realize so I like said something racist to her which I like to this day it kills me and um we weren't friends anymore and which then, makes sense because racism exactly and not good. exactly trash. um and then I didn't have any friends because guess what like white people also didn't like you if you were poor so I was like well Ugh. shit 
fuck, man. I'm really, and my mom was like, don't you want to be popular? Don't you want to be popular all the time? Don't you want to be popular? And I was like, I guess so. Cause you are asking a lot about it. You are really asking. Like if you go to my journal entries from when I'm 14, I'm like, why can't I just be popular? I just want to be popular. So I was like doing anything I could, but I was like, there was nothing I could do. Right. It was just the way the cards were dealt, you know? So, um, what was your question? Therapy. Did it happen before right. or after? Right. It was way, way after. Yeah. So I didn't really have even familial support for a long time. Um, I had friends when I was in high school, two friends in particular, my friend Bren and my friend Ryan, um, my parents. So my mom married my dad who adopted me when I was like 12 or 13. Shout out to dad. Yeah, he's the best. Um, and they split up when I was in my senior year of high school. And at this time, my family wasn't talking to my mom. Mm -hmm. um, and she was like really at her worst, but I had to live with her. And I don't know that they like understand that really, but they weren't around. They weren't supporting me. And my friend Ryan would like come over to my mom's house. I would be like, she's not letting me leave. He would come over to my mom's house and he would just like stand, he would just like stand in front of me and just like, they would argue or whatever. And he and my mom would be like, um, I, she'd be like telling us that she doesn't drink while she's drunk. And I would be like, cool. And she would be like, um, are you like, are you, you could still be vegan if you ate a steak a month. And he was like, no, I That's wouldn't not be. That's how that works. That's literally <laughs> like, not how that I works. I literally would not be vegan. If I was eating steak, I would not be eating vegan. And he was like, whatever, we're leaving. And it would just like take me with him. And like, that was like the kind of support that I have. And then we would talk shit about like our parents because they both sucked. Also, that's what teenagers do. Yeah. It's and that's safety. what teenagers do. You need a safety net of like, let's talk shit about our parents. <laughs> Um, and then my friend Bryn is like the person that like, if I showed up at two, my mom like locked me out of the house once or something. And I showed up at her house at 2am and I was just crying and she was like, Oh my God, come like sleep on my floor. Like what? Like just, she would just like show up. She was always awake there for me, ready to like, just mm -hmm. let me in her home. And her parents were really sweet. They were like parents that when I was still going back home for Christmas, I would always go to their house for Christmas Eve or whatever. Yeah. So I had support but at the same time you're in South Carolina and there's a lot of domestic abuse there's a lot of alcohol abuse there's it's it's very normal and it's very normalized and it's very much like let's joke about the person who's an alcoholic like it's not something that people really know to be afraid of I don't yeah. think because it's so, so normal it's exactly. like oh they're drunk well that's regular it's Thursday Exa exactly and the thing that's not normal is therapy and seeking help that's that's also <laughs> yeah. common among just like it's privilege like having yeah. therapy and I think it's it's kind of been like told also like in the black community like we don't get therapy like mm -hmm. you figure that shit out or you don't Right. And, you know, that mm -hmm. doesn't work. But also, like, if you can't afford it, and that's why I'm so glad, like, BetterHelp exists because it's affordable yeah, and there's these centers. But it's never, like, told that that's an option to us. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just like, well, it's all just make Yeah, it, it was never the first time I ever even sat in a therapist's office was... I was supposed to move to Chicago. I had like moved back home for a few months and I was supposed to move to Chicago. It was like the big thing I was doing after college. I was really excited. And my mom was like, you know, at her worst, it was pretty much like I turned 15 and things got bad and they never got better. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like about to move to Chicago. This was a few months after my family had done this intervention mm -hmm. and 
she'd stop speaking to everyone. And then like two days before I was supposed to move, she was like, okay, I'll go to therapy if you go with me. And I was like, all right, fine. So we booked a therapy appointment the day before I was supposed to go to um, Chicago. We went to the therapist and my mom was like, uh, she hadn't been drinking for like eight hours or something like that. Like not that long at all. And she kept having to like go to the bathroom cause she was so nauseous and she was so sick the whole day. And we were like sitting there. Yeah. We were sitting there with the therapist and, um, she was like, she, she left the room and the therapist was like, um, is your mom being truthful with me? And I was like, no, not about anything. And she was like, what has she not been truthful about? And I was like, well, it's big stuff like her drinking. And then it's also smaller stuff. Like she said she had one sister and two stepsisters, but she has two half sisters and one stepsister, like stuff that just doesn't like make things you don't need to lie yeah, about. Yeah. Things you do. There's like no written, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> like what? <laughs> um, and she was like, okay, so I'd like you to, um, let her know when she's, if she said something that's not truthful, will you tell me while she's in the room? And I was like, I don't think I can do that. Like, I don't think I can tell my mom that she's lying. Like I was so freaked out. And then even in, in that like small conversation, the therapist was like, I can't help you. You need to go to rehab. Like, I can't help you until you have your alcoholism under control. And my mom was like, all right, let's go to rehab right now. And she was like, will you drive me? And I was like, yes, I'll drive you. And so I drove her to the first rehab center and we were like sitting there sitting on the couch I was so fucking annoyed because I was like my girlfriend's coming in town we're supposed to like drive to Chicago and I'm like sitting here in a rehab center with my mom like fuck this life and then my mom had a seizure and mm. fell on top of me and I was like obviously stunned was so freaked out withdrawal? yeah it was withdrawals which I didn't understand at the time yeah. but I just like I got up and I like moved the table out of the way and people rushed in and she like was on the ground and like this woman I don't even know how I got into another room but suddenly I was in like another room with the door closed and this woman was like how are you and I was like where am I? I was like, uh, uh, I not good. Yeah. <laughs> not good, man. Yeah. And she was like, she was like, okay, are you like, she was like, what are you supposed to do? Can you go home? And I was like, well, no, I got to know what's going on with my mom. I'm kind of pissed at her now. Like <laughs> you just had like a traumatic experience and clearly you blacked out. Right. She's just like, so anyway, uh, no, what's going I mean, on, this girl? woman saved my life. So he, she, she was just like, what, what are you supposed to be doing? Can you like go home? Can you like take some time? And I was like, I, and obviously, like you said, I'm literally a black down I'm like well no I just have to see what's going on with my mom and, and I was like I'm supposed to move to Chicago tomorrow but I obviously can't do that and she was like let me tell you something and she was like look at me listen to me move to Chicago mm. and I was like I can't my mom's like my mom's hurt and she was like no you cannot stop your life for this and she was like I did for my dad okay, and I like look at me again. yeah she was like I did for my dad and look at me I'm here and this is what I dedicated my life to and she was like do not do that Damn. and I was like okay. And she was like, go to Chicago tomorrow. And I was like, okay. And then I was like following, I was like behind the ambulance in my car, like going to the, my mom had to like be rushed to the emergency room because of this withdrawals. And my dad was meeting me there, which they weren't even married anymore. They were like divorced. And he was just like, you know, being just a good dude. Cause he's a good dude. Like exactly. Her husband wasn't there. Nobody else in my family was there. It was like me and my dad. And we were like, <laughs> like, Oh fuck. This sucks. Like this really sucks. Um, but that was like, 
that was like the huge, the huge moment that was also happened to be the first time I ever set foot in therapy. And then I didn't go back. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even consider it that I must've been 20, 21 years old. Mm -hmm. I didn't even consider it again until I was like 28 and I lived in LA and that's when I started going to therapy. Come to LA. We'll get your ass in Exactly. Therapy. Exactly. That's why I'm like, Los Angeles saved my life. Like, <sighs> were you ever able to stand up to her? No, not at all. Never. Not even a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't, you're not speaking to a real person at that point. And I, it's the same way, like I, when I left the business that I was in, I never had a conversation about it because the way it's like when people are talking to you and giving you like saying things like, I don't, I just don't understand. Can you explain it in a different way? You've, you've said something like, um, it upset me because we're supposed to own a business together and you emailed a celebrity and left me off of it. And they're like, well, I'm not a bad business partner. And it's I'm not like, what I said, and it's, <laughs> it's hard when you're like 25 years old and you're like, I think you should be responding to what I'm saying. But you're not. So that leads me to believe that I suck here, I guess. Yeah. And it's just like you can't you can't stand up to those people. It's like you you're kind of your only choice is to just leave, to just like cut it off and be like, you know what? I I tried like no matter how many times I say to my mom, like it upsets me when you like ask me to wear dresses or no matter how many times I said to my business partner, like it upsets me when you're like tr giving me the runaround and trying to get me to decide something that you've already decided you want to do. Like it stresses me out. I don't know why we're having the conversation at that point. Like if you are trying to talk to someone and they're giving you nothing back besides making it your fault or telling you you're confusing or like, I, I don't know. It's just like, it's impossible to stand up to. It's just the way I feel about it. Yeah. And also like, I feel like you have to take care of yourself at that point. Yeah. Once you realize you're like, oh no, mm -hmm. um, you're not getting any more of my goodness. Like I have to take care of me because clearly you don't give enough fucks. Yeah. And I have all the fucks for myself and I'm going to hold on to those. Yeah. Clearly fuck is the word of this episode. Fuck is the word of the episode. You're welcome. Yeah. It's also one of my favorite F words. <laughs> yes. Um, and that's a lot to take in to even be able to like separate yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's also like you you don't, I don't think you even realize that you're taking care of yourself. You're just like in a position all of a sudden where you're like, there's nothing else I can do. And then you just have to like disappear basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was really trippy, like learning to take care of myself while being in a family relationship, business relationship and romantic relationship with three people who were all doing the same thing. And my therapist being like, um, well, you've mentioned this a couple times, uh, in each of these relationships, or I just want to remind you that this is very similar to something that you've said your mother has done, like stuff like that. It was fucking trippy because then I was going home and still being in these relationships. Mm -hmm. Do you think therapy helped you to break that cycle? Oh, for sure. Because it sounds yeah. like it was just a cycle of humans that you're like, well, this Definitely. is, this seems normal mm -hmm. because it's just been happening. Yeah. And I think, I mean... Boundaries, which is something that you talk about I a lot. Love boundaries, you love boundaries. Yeah, and I. Definition time, y'all. Boundaries. Boundaries are limits people set in order to create a healthy sense of personal space. Boundaries can be physical or emotional in nature, and they help distinguish the desires, needs, and preferences of one person from another. 
Healthy boundaries serve the important function of allowing people to take responsibility for themselves and their actions while helping them avoid being in a position where they unfairly take responsibility for the emotions and needs of others. Understanding what boundaries were and how to uphold those was really important for me. And even though it's like I leaving the business I was in, breaking up with someone, telling a friend like, hi, I can't be I can't be in a relationship where someone talks this way. Like I really have had conversations with a couple of my friends where I've been like, I don't like being made fun of. It doesn't, it's not like fun for me. It just makes me really self-conscious. And I just feel like that's what you think about me. And then I've had friends that are like, fuck man, making fun of people sucks. Why do I even do it? And then like, whatever, we're still friends five years later. And then I have friends who are like, I'm so offended. I'm really offended that you said that. And I don't, like, I guess you don't love me for who I am. And I'm like... That's my mad sound. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. But I'm also like, all right, well, I mean, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Like, that's a hard boundary for me. Like, at this point, mm-hmm. <laughs> six years or whatever into therapy, I'm like, whatever, I got my boundaries. And that's what I feel Keep good about. Keep your boundaries in your pocket, people. Keep exactly. your boundaries in your pocket. Um, do you think any other relationships changed once you were just like, hey, y'all, I'm the fuck out? Yes, I think. Well, I also think it was like a slow burn because it wasn't like I learned it. I cut everyone off. I moved on. It took me a year and a half to get out of the business. Um, I told my mom I just texted her and I was like she had canceled Christmas. She, you know, like all this stuff. And then I texted her and I remember saying something along the lines of like, I'm only going to respond to your text messages if they're positive. And she was like. I can agree to that. And then, of course, the next text was not. And then it was eight months. Eight months went by where I was still getting texts that I wasn't responding to, still getting texts that I wasn't responding to. And then she showed up at, like, a show that I was doing, talked through the whole thing, was like, somebody I was like well uh, I was talking about this like book that I written and I was like you know I didn't know that being gay was a thing in South Carolina my mom was like neither did I and I was like gosh okay you're like can you throw things into the audience Mm -hmm. like reverse it yeah reverse it exactly (laughs) and so like and then I made the had to make the boundary again and I was like if I'm getting a positive if I'm getting something positive from you I will respond otherwise I just I'm not going to Mm -hmm. and it was about a year and a half later and then she died so we never spoke again basically Mm -hmm. and the reason that we never spoke is because I held a boundary that Mm -hmm. was like I only want a positive relationship. I only want the thing between, I only want this mother daughter situation to be positive and it never was. And it also, it that helped me a lot with resentment too, mm. because I think that in my mind, I've always been like, uh, I'll stop holding a grudge when you acknowledge what you've done, apologize to me and we can have a conversation about it. And then <laughs> I was like, oh, some people are never going to be able to do that. So if I'm holding on to resentment, I'm like tearing myself apart for no reason other than just like what to be able to be mad still. I don't know. So it's just being able to let go of resentment. It was that, I mean, the past few years of my life have all just been like, have you had another lesson today? Have another, have another lesson here. It's in variety. Lessons, lessons, (laughs) lessons. Like, (laughs) I think you said something really beautiful though. Like the fact that boundaries 
are fluid, mm-hmm. right? Like you can set a boundary and be like, this is how I'm feeling right now. But also you don't have to lock yourself into that specific boundary. Yeah. You're like, this is how, then I was like, ah, okay, let's work on this. So mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful because I feel like people don't, one, acknowledge or even realize that you can set boundaries. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh shit, I can, I can say a thing. <laughs> And stick to it and then also be like, okay, well, I'm flexible here and I'm able to adapt and deal with this. Definitely. So that's, that's amazing. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. Well, I think also you can, once you kind of decide what your boundaries are, it is going to be different with every relationship. Correct. And I remember being, there was a time when... Um, this is kind of where I started realizing stuff is when I was talking to my therapist about how every time my phone buzzed, rang, some if my phone lit up, I would be like, <gasps> like I would just be, it, my whole body would tense up. I would be so freaked out and I like didn't want to see it because it was either like my business partner being mad because I like didn't do something or because she suspected that I was about to was not going to do something <laughs> or like my mom being stressed about something that happened four years ago that didn't actually happen or like, like the girl I was dating who was like we're not dating but can't wait to see our kids together being like weird I was like whatever's happening on my phone it's gonna stress me out basically and my therapist was like my therapist kind of talked to me about PTSD Mm. I also told her about some fears that I had I was really afraid of my mom having my address I didn't want her to like show up and do something violent that's fucking real it's very real and my therapist was like that's PTSD like you know you have PTSD and I was like I have what you're like whom now I was like PTSD whom (laughs) I was like but I didn't go to war (laughs) because that's what they tell you exactly um and then as I started to research that more I was like oh like okay cool something happened when I was in therapy there was like a loud noise outside and I like jumped and I like looked over and like kind of like leaned back a little bit and my therapist was like does that happen a lot and I was like what does what happen (laughs) and she was like do you get afraid a lot and I was like uh yeah I'm scared of everything my phone my friends my like (laughs) yes everything fucking freaks me out um And that was kind of like the time where my therapist was like, okay, well, let's set a boundary with your phone. How about like just after 7 7 p.m. you don't look at your phone and you can just tell your business partner like, I'm not going to look at my phone after 7 p.m. And my business partner's response was like, I'm really glad you're taking care of yourself. Um, What should I do if I really need to know something, though? Should I wait? (laughs) You wait. Yeah, exactly. She was like, do I wait in the morning? Can we schedule some days where during some times where whatever, like it was I could through setting boundaries, I noticed the control even more trying to break those boundaries exactly because I now everyone in my life if I'm like I don't answer my phone after 9 p.m everyone's like okay like nobody gives a shit and people will still like text me or whatever but they don't expect a response immediately because no if they're trying to feed you yes exactly that's true you did you did text me yesterday and said let me feed you just saying and then I said I just ate and you said then let me feed you in a couple hours And it worked out. It and did. I adapted to my friend's boundaries. Exactly. Boom. Lessons See? learned here. See? <laughs> um, do you have any regrets? No regrets. No, not at all. Love it. Um, yeah, it's like one of my mantras. It's tattooed on my arm. No regrets, just love. It's on my foot. No, I have no regrets. <laughs> Wow, look at us. Look at us. Wow. Everyone's welcome again. I know. Seriously. No, I don't. I mean, I don't think... Um, Right before coming in here, uh, my girlfriend and I were listening to Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. Uh, I am so into that right now. Thank you, Ponytail. Yeah, You nailed it. That is really, I mean, that is how I feel about 
so many relationships where I've like grown and learned things. And I mean, it was like, it was a trip, like leaving that business and then immediately still having to do business with the same people and coming up against like society gaslighting that I, which I just like did a whole tweet storm on this, but basically just being at a big queer safe space and having like a comedian do a bunch of racist shit and then me being like oh that's not right we're gonna apologize and not let that comedian come back oh you're doing this i'm loving it anymore (laughs) and the answer to that was no (laughs) the answer to that was we're not gonna say anything uh we don't want to throw cameron under the bus and (laughs) you can't see me but i'm clutching i went started my glasses now i'm at my fake pearls right exactly you did you're right there but they were like we don't want to throw her under the bus and i was like oh so you just want to throw every single person of color under the bus who's here and who thought this was a safe space and who now has to be like cool you're cool with those jokes great love this place and i was like And so it was complicated because I was like, okay, I just left this business. Now I have to do business again with this person. And they're to my face telling me like, no, we don't, we would, we don't want to throw a white person under the bus. (laughs) We would rather expense every single other person here who believes that they're safe. And that was fucking trippy because they were the people in power. Like it was their camp. It was their space. So all I could do, I mean, I still got on the mic and said something yeah I still I I still said something but it's like that's not that is nothing compared to the people who run the camp being like we're sorry we're not gonna let this happen again it's nothing so it's it was so confusing because it was like I figured this out I know what relationships I want I'm setting boundaries and then I was like oh I'm still trapped by these people I'm still trapped and it's like the like I was saying like societal gaslighting where it's like the things that are more important are like the conservative white ladies who don't want to like shake it up like it's unless it has something to do with them then they suddenly find all the fucks to get then they have all yeah they're just adorning the pantsuits they're like oh no did you hear about Susan (laughs) you're like no but I heard about Tasha yeah exactly Uh, exactly and so that was like I mean it's just it's all been such a head fuck it's all been such a head fuck no regrets though like I the only thing I regret is I wish that after that person had left the stage at this camp I'm talking about I wish that I would have said um those jokes were really inappropriate and not inclusive and this is an inclusive space Mm -hmm. um shout out to everyone who left the room for making it clear that this was uncomfortable like I wish I would have said something just right then um and I wish No, I guess I don't, I don't wish that I would have like left the business earlier. I don't wish that I would have stopped talking to my mom earlier. I think everything happened in the timing that it was meant to. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that if I don't continue to talk about it and don't continue sharing stories and don't continue helping people recognize it in their own life, I think I will regret it. Yeah, I think there's so much healing and that's why the show exists. Mm -hmm. There's so much healing in hearing other people's stories Mm -hmm. because we can identify ourselves in stories and be like, I didn't. Oh, shit. Yeah, because that's what this show is. Like, I I want people to have these oh, shit moments to start the transition to change. So talking about change, like, what would you if you could Mm -hmm. like see someone because you may see some people. I don't know. I've seen people. Yes. You've seen people <laughs> experience these things. What would you say to them? Or like, how would you support them? Like, how do you support someone that you know is being gaslit? I would say you deserve better. You deserve love. And 
try to spend more time with the people who make you feel seen. Because as you spend more time with people who are validating your emotions, are understanding the things that you need, who want to be around you for exactly who you are, the more time you spend around those people, the more time you'll realize that you don't need the people who are keeping you trapped and confused and making you feel like you can't do things on your own. Yeah. What about you? What would you say? I don't have a long enough list right now. (laughs) No, but honestly, I would say like, I see you. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong with what you just said. Like, I wish every time someone was like, I'm a gaslight, I could like pop out and be like, they're lying. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Mm-hmm. You're no things. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say like, you don't deserve this. Yeah. You are better than this and you deserve better. And also like, there are people out there that will love you in the way that you deserve to be loved. Kind of like what you said. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you you are so much like, and I think when I say you're so much, people are like, what does that mean? Like you are everything. Like you are it. Like, I I don't know how I can spin that in different words, but like you matter and you're fucking magical. Yeah. You're the most important person. As my favorite saying, take care of your fucking star player. Cause you are your star player. Yes, exactly. Yes. Hmm. Well, thank you for sitting down with me and having this amazing conversation uh do you have anything you want to plug oh uh i guess just follow me on instagram okay. at boy god king and if you're inspired uh you can venmo me 250 for a root beer so oh beautiful yes you, one does love good root beer i do that's what i'm doing right now i'm like because you know people will be like let me buy you a beer and i'm like i don't drink uh but i do drink root beer fabulous uh, i've so far been able to get like six root beers in the past week. have you tried different root beers are you in yes. like a root beer tour i am a little bit on a root beer tour yeah wow. i'm trying to get the ones that are in the short squatty bottles next okay. um yeah virgil's is great main root beer is fantastic look at um, that recommendations everyone mm-hmm. this is vip service it really is i had like a an age-old fountain root beer the other day just like Mm. right out of the machine with a little flexi straw a little plastic flexi straw it was delicious wow this is happening in 2018 y'all everything (laughs) isn't shitty wow i can get a root beer so i want to again thank manager dan for coming through and blessing us with their story i hope you were able to take something away from that and if you know someone support them And as promised, I have three resources to share with you. The first one being Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving, a guide and map for recovering from childhood trauma, a book by Peter Walker. Actually, Pete Walker. I apologize, Pete. The causes of CPTSD range from severe neglect to monstrous abuse. Many survivors grow up in a house that is not a home, in families that are as loveless as orphanages and sometimes as dangerous. If you felt unwanted, unliked, rejected, hated, and or despised for a lengthy portion of your childhood, trauma may be deeply ingrained in your mind, soul, and body. This book is a practical, user-friendly self-help guide to recovering from the lingering effects of childhood trauma and to achieving a rich and fulfilling life. It is illustrated with examples of my own, which is Pete, and clients' journeys of recovering. This book is also for those who do not have CPTSD, but want to understand and help a loved one who does. This book contains an overview of the tasks of recovering and a great many practical tools and techniques for recovering from childhood trauma. And second, if you can, like I said, watch the film Gaslight. I had to look it up on Amazon Prime. But I guarantee like you will learn some things. You may walk away pissed off as I did. 
And last but not least, a book by Shannon Thomas called Healing from Hidden Abuse, a journey through stages of recovery from psychological abuse. Within every community, toxic people can be found hiding in families, couples, companies, and places of worship. The cryptic nature of psychological abuse involves repetitious mind games played by one individual or group of people. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode and we will see you later. Support for Trauma Queen brought to you by BetterHelp and of course, you. If you'd like to become a monthly supporter, just click the link in any podcast episode description to support. Support our work. We are queer. We are trans. We are black. We are POC. We are survivors. Our recommended donation is $9.99, but you can donate for as low as 99 cents a month. And as always, I have to give a shout out to the people that make this podcast what it is. And we can all be found on Instagram. Podcast artwork by Zoe Loves, Z-O-I-E-L-O-V-E-S, engineered and edited by Andy Alseri, A-N-D-Y-A-L-S-E-R-I, produced by Boy God King, B-O-Y-G-O-D-K-I-N-G, and me, I'm your host, Jiminika. J-I-M-A-N-E-K-I-A.